Hello, hello all, and welcome to The L Show, where the L and the L Show stands for leaning in, which means that we will not shy away from any subject, no matter how taboo or uncomfortable, such as menopause, sex and libido, mental health and depression, difficulties with weight loss, and all of the other topics that are important to us maturing women in the prime of our lives. Thank you for tuning in and either watching or listening to the show. If you have any questions during the show today, please call in and we will do our best to get you on the air and get your question answered. You can call 844-STUDIO-4 or 844-788-3464. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Eastman, and I am the owner of Rose Pharmacy and Boutique Apothecary located here in Cornelius. We are a compounding pharmacy with a focus on functional medicine. And what this means is that my team and I, we make medications that are specifically formulated for you. We also provide holistic alternatives like supplements, vitamins, and much more. You can find out more about us by checking us out at our website, rosarxboutique.com, or Instagram and Facebook at Rose Pharmacy and Boutique Apothecary. I would like to introduce my guest co-hosts, Kathy Rogers, Executive Director of Mental Health America of Central Carolinas, and also Candace Wilson, Director of Family and Peer Support for Mental Health America of Central Carolinas. Candace was unable to physically come into the studio today, but I'm so glad that she was able to join us virtually because she has so much valuable information to share. Now, she'll be with us for as long as she can, but we'll have to leave us prior to the end of the show. But we will make sure we get all of that good info from her before she jumps off. First, Kathy, let's get started with you. So tell us about your background and what you do. Okay. First of all, thank you so much, Nicole, for having us here today to talk about this important topic. Uh, We really appreciate it. I am Kathy Rogers. I'm the Executive Director for Mental Health America of Central Carolinas. I've uh, got more than two decades of nonprofit executive management experience and have had the great joy of leading this organization for the past six years um, and just uh, in my own journey, have learned so much about the importance of taking care of our mental health and self-care and all the things that we're going to be talking about today. Wonderful. And Candice, can you also share about your background and what it is that you do? Again, Nicole, thank you so much for having us today. You're so welcome. My name is Candice Wilson. I'm Director of Family and Peer Support for Mental Health America of Central Carolinas. I've had the pleasure of being part of this team for over 13 years. Throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to advocate for and with kids and families in Mecklenburg and Cabarrus counties and have been able to use my lived experience in parenting my own children to help other parents who are parenting sometimes difficult kids. Thank you both for being here on the show today. And today's show is not the show that I had originally planned for today. I was instead moved by a situation involving someone close to me that made me want to change gears a bit and deal with the mental health system, resources, women and men as caretakers. It's a situation that involves how we take care of those who have been determined to need mental health support by either their loved ones, their providers, and even themselves in some cases. But in this case, it is a woman who painfully realized that her loved one, her teenager, who suffers from a neurological disorder, which has led to a mental health crisis, 
needed more help than she could give and that she felt could be a matter of life or death if help was not given. She turned to our mental health system for help on Monday. And up until this morning, so it's a full five days later, um, the teen had been sitting in much of what seemed to be a holding pattern while waiting on an available bed in a psychiatric facility and not getting any specific mental health treatment at all. He was released this morning due to not being able to be placed anywhere. And of course, mom is upset. And also, as they were being discharged, mom told me that there was no attempt at continuity of care, no discussion of next steps for mom, medication, nothing at all. Mom had to actually go and ask for it. And of course, I'm not going to name the names of those involved or name the facility that's involved. I just want to have an open discussion with my guests who are subject matter experts um, and with an organization that is trying to help with the difficulty involved in navigating through this fragmented system that unfortunately seems to fail segments of our population. These failures can lead to fatal outcomes. And although we know that the system was not designed this way, but it has got to get better and it's got to be better. What are people supposed to do? September actually marks Suicide Prevention Month. And this is a month where we are asked to remember the lives lost to suicide, the millions of people who struggle with suicidal ideation, and acknowledge the families, individuals, and communities that have been impacted. It's also a time to raise awareness about suicide prevention and share messages of hope. Undertreated mental illness can have devastating effects. So at this time, I typically, ladies, I, I like to share with my audience fun facts about things, but this is not a fun fact. These are not fun facts. These are statistics right. that, that we found, um, and they're real, and they are upsetting. So according to the National Institute of Mental Health, young adults ages 18 to 25 in the U.S. have the highest rate of experiencing mental health conditions, followed by those ages 26 to 49, and then adults ages 50 and over. And according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the impact depression and anxiety has on the global economy can be measured in $1 trillion in lost productivity each year, $1 trillion. And suicide is the second leading cause of preventable death in the U.S. for ages 10 to 14, 25 to 34, and in ages 35 to 44, it's the fourth leading cause of death. In ages 45 to 54, it is the seventh leading cause of death, death just a smidge behind diabetes. Ages 55 to 64, it is the ninth leading cause of death. And North Carolina closely follows those same statistics. Right, ladies? Yes, very much. So why we're having this discussion today is because ultimately we want to make sure that people do have resources, people know where to go, people know what options are available to them, and organizations like yours is there for that. Um, I'll tell you that I didn't even know about your organization <laughs> until just a few days ago um, when I reached out to a friend of mine and she led me your way. So. Thank you for what it is that you do. Nice. Is there any other statistic that we can talk about at this moment before well, moving on to our next segment? I'd love to put a visual in your audience's mm -hmm. uh, mind about suicide rates mm -hmm. and our response to it. 
what we see every day of people dying by suicide is the equivalent of an aircraft crashing and everybody on that plane dying. We would read about that in the news, but we don't read about the high rates of suicide that we see. And and I, we, we sometimes get caught up in those numbers, but there's people, there are young people behind those numbers that just got a, um, a, a message yesterday about a 10th a grader at one of our high schools who had died by suicide. So... Mm. You know, we really yeah. do need to put an emphasis on suicide prevention and everything you just talked about, about mm-hmm. a young person waiting in an emergency room for days on end. So thank you for that. And when we come back from break, we're going to continue our discussion. And please try to stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back to The L Show. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Eastman, and I'm here with my guest, my guest co-host, Kathy Rogers, Executive Director of Mental Health America of Central Carolinas, and Candace Wilson, Director of Family and Peer Support for the same organization. Ladies, that little synopsis that I gave earlier about the situation that led me to change the show, is this something that you hear is commonplace? Kathy, do you want to take that, or Candace? It is. We hear quite frequently from parents who are calling, from adults who are calling about their children, their loved ones who are experiencing mental health issues, who reach out to our emergency rooms, whether they go to one of the local large hospitals, whether they go specifically to our behavioral health hospital. And we hear that individuals who are experiencing mental health crises are sitting for days, sometimes in emergency rooms. Some of our young people who are admitted to general physical health rooms in our youth, in our hospitals are sitting there without education, without care, being monitored 24 seven by a staff member. So unfortunately, it is something that is happening across our state and in our local communities as well. Hmm. It's missing graduations, missing, as as Candace said, schoolwork, um, sitting in an emergency room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, five days is a long time, but we know there are instances where they're there for weeks and months at a time. And, you know, we just, it's a capacity issue, but Mm -hmm. it's also, you know, the mental health system's just very complex and fragmented. And I'll put this out there too. I want to say that this situation, this particular situation involves a mother and her teen that has an illness that has perpetuated this issue, but it could just as easily be applied to an individual Mm -hmm. who is the caretaker of, say, an elderly parent with concurrent illness and mental health issues? Or what about the situation in which an adult is not only taking care of a child with mental health issues, but also a parent, same time with mental health issues? What are families up against? What are families up against? So I, I heard someone uh, say that 
uh, entering the mental health system is like being sent on a cruel scavenger hunt. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And that just struck me as so Mm. hard if you do have a child or a loved Mm -hmm. one who is dealing... Number one, they're in crisis, which means you're in crisis. And uh, that's why Candace and her team are so important to help parents and caregivers deal with the mental health system, but they can't change what's out there and what's available. They can only do their best to help them navigate um, the complex system. So I'll let uh, Candace talk a little bit more about that. Some of what folks are experiencing is because there's not one direct door into Mm -hmm. mental health care in our community. Some people find their way through their primary care physician or their pediatrician. Others find their way through school counselors, some through clinicians in the community, and some just call places like ours. They'll Mm -hmm. call Mental Health America, Central Carolina, saying, I don't even know where to start. And hopefully, I mean, Kathy, unfortunately, your description was so accurate that it's very fragmented. We also know that as adults are trying to find help for their adult children or for an aging parent, if the individual mental health crisis is such that they can't make good decisions Mm -hmm. for themselves as it relates to their mental health care or physical health care, Mm -hmm. sometimes that individual trying to, that family member trying to help them, their hands are truly tied because the individual, the adult individual Mm -hmm. can make their own health and mental health choices. I was going to mention, Candice, once a child gets over 18, Mm -hmm. it is hard for the parent to get information or to intervene on their on their behalf, because we still they're still our children, and we're still trying to help, but it it increases the barriers that parents have. Well, why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult to get through the system when we know how important it is to get to people early, so that we don't run the risk of it ending in a life that could have been lost that could right. be lost to suicide. Sometimes we don't even recognize that there is an issue. So then it's too late once someone um, takes their own life or, mm-hmm. you know, goes to that, that level because they're in so much pain. Um, there are a lot of reasons why it's difficult. We don't have the capacity. We don't treat mental health the same way that we treat physical health. So... You know, if you go into the emergency room with a broken arm, you're triaged and, you know, taken in to get the care that you need. But, you know, there there simply isn't is not the capacity of these hospitals to deal with the number of especially young people who are coming into the emergency room. So there are some good things happening. They're just not happening quick enough. And we Mm -hmm. all need to be advocating for on our local, state, and federal level to support um, increased funding for mental health, whether it's in our communities or mm-hmm. in our schools. You know, the yeah. state legislator, legislature mandated um, school-based mental health, but it was another unfunded mandate. They didn't put funding behind it. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need to start investing in mental health systems in our communities. 
tell us more about what Mental Health America of Central Carolina is and how did it get started? So we're celebrating our 90th anniversary <laughs> this year. Happy anniversary. Yeah, wow. So, um, and we serve Mecklenburg and Cabarrus counties. But um, during the early 1930s, around that time, a whole movement, and it was known as the mental health hygiene movement at mm-hmm. that time, which okay. is a weird name for it. But, it, but um, Clifford Beers, who had actually um, experienced the mistreatment in the hospital because of his mental health, you know, launched this movement to improve how we care for people in a caring and compassionate way. We're part of a national organization. Um, all of all MHA affiliates are different because we respond to our community and our community's needs and all communities are different. But our, our national symbol is a bell because in the 50s, um, a call went out to institutions to send the, the shackles and the chains that people used to be chained up by, and they cast, melted all this mm-hmm. down and cast all these chains into a bell, which has become really a symbol of hope. So you think about how bad it is today, but... It's It has improved. Right. You know, we don't lock people up, but we still have so far to go. A lot of times, the first time people encounter the mental health system is in the backseat of a police car. That's so sad. I had a call from a lady the other day, and she wouldn't tell me her name because she was worried I was going to call the police. And, you That's know, I'm so reassuring sad. her. I'm not hearing mm-hmm. anything that makes me want to send someone out to. And the only time we would do that is to help someone. But, um, but you know, Candace, I'm, I've talked a lot, but stigma can really mm-hmm. be a barrier to people getting help. Candace, your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Kathy, you summed it up beautifully. I would add that we have seen our communities respond in, in a better way, but psychology and psychiatry is not a black and white science. Mm-hmm. And so you only see the pieces or the mental health professionals only see the pieces when their patient shares. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not a complete picture. And sometimes it takes as many as 10 years to truly get an accurate mental health diagnosis. And Mm -hmm. imagine being the parent of a child that you know something isn't right. You've reached out for help, you'll get one diagnosis and then try maybe try some medication or some new form of treatment. Then you see a different mental health professional and because of what you share at that, you get a different diagnosis. And so many individuals get this long list of mental health diagnoses. That's not to say that at the time they were presenting that information that it wasn't accurate, but psychology and psychiatry is not black and white. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just get so tired of being told something different that they just give up. Yeah. And as women, we're very often not believed. They, when we go to see our primary care physician, we might talk about being, sad or depressed or having a degree of anxiety 
particularly around the time that we have, if we've been blessed with children, mm-hmm. we yes. are seeing more frequently that physicians are really listening and making sure that women who might be experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety are getting the treatment that they need. But for many, many years, it was just written off. Mm-hmm. And very true. Stigma, as Kathy said, is such a big part, regardless of the culture that we come from, there is stigma in every part of our culture in our country. And people don't want to talk about their mental wellness. We'll talk about our physical ailments, but we won't talk about those emotional ailments. Because we're concerned about what that's going to do. That's going to be written on paper. It's going to follow us, all those things. Or how I'm going to be seen. Exactly. All right, guys, we, when we come back, we are going to continue this very important conversation with my guests. We'll see you then. Welcome back to The L Show. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Eastman, and I'm here with my guest co-host, Kathy Rogers and Candace Wilson. When we went to break, um, Candace made a really good point around stigma and the mental health system and us really being concerned about what it's going to look like um, for our futures. What, how is it going to, what we say, how is that going to impact, how's it going to impact us? You know? Exactly. So um, I think about something as, as simple as insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're getting life insurance, something that I realized um, some years ago when you're getting life insurance that if, you know, you say certain things, mm-hmm. if they see something in your record, that could possibly, you know, cause it to be a little more difficult yes. for you to get, you, you know, the, the coverage that you need. Mm-hmm. Or taking medication or... Yes. Um, and quite frankly, that's discrimination. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have a lot of discrimination and people feeling shame and blame. And um, we exist, our vision at MHA is to eliminate the stigma that not reduce it. And that'll take a long time. But just today, having this conversation with you, Nicole, is helping with that. Every time we can normalize the conversation, about mental health, we're reducing stigma in our community. Well, you guys are amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, Are there other branches of MHA? There are other affiliates across the country. Uh, We are the largest, actually, uh, MHA in North Carolina. Uh, Okay. In some states, there is a state organization. And in some ways, we serve as that from an advocacy standpoint. Mm -hmm. We work with uh, other organizations across the state, and we work on the federal level. I was on a call yesterday with one of the um, aides for one of our senators up in uh, Washington trying to get some support for the Peer Support Act. So uh, there are other, we're just all different, though. I got you. I got you. Um, what are some of the things that you find are helpful for a parent or loved one who that just need to know what they're going to face when they're going down this road? Are there any sorts of things that you think would be helpful for them to know? Candace? 
So one of the things that Mental Health America of Central Carolina provides through our Parent Voice Program are family partners. Family partners are individuals who have lived experience. We have raised or are currently raising our own children who might have a behavioral, emotional, or mental health challenge. We get additional training and information and knowledge, and then we can be there to provide that peer support to other parents in the community. We can help them get connected with the resources that they might need. We can help by offering a story of hope that there is help, that there is a better tomorrow, that there can be better outcomes for their families as well. So having that person to walk beside you, Mm -hmm. to help you navigate, to teach you to be a better, stronger advocate for your own family Mm -hmm. makes a world of difference. When my own son was in school and needed an individualized education program to meet his educational goals, I went to those meetings alone. And as I was in those meetings, I was thinking with my heart Mm -hmm. because this is my baby. But going with a family partner or an advocate next to me who cares about me and my child but knows the mandates, knows what school systems could and should do and can help us speak up makes a world of difference. And so we have the opportunity at Mental Health America of Central Carolina is to provide that individualized parent peer support to parents in Mecklenburg and Cabarrus counties. There are other family partners who work across our state and nationally who are there to help parents in navigating what it might be. Mm-hmm. There's another organization called NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They do an amazing job yes. in providing that peer support as well to families of adult children who are experiencing mental health issues and providing that support to the parents and or spouses of the individuals who are struggling. So one thing that I think that we sometimes don't consider, it's the caretakers themselves. So, you know, we focus on the person needing the help, but we don't think about the caretakers, what sort of help they need. How do they take care of themselves? Um, In these situations, it can be so exhausting for them. Does Mental Health America provide resources for the caretakers themselves as well? Like how to take care of yourself during this time? We certainly do. We talk about that the need for self-care for ourselves all the time. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's in all kinds of situations. We have the energy Mm -hmm. to be able to continue to be there for our kids, for our families. So we are big proponents. Self-care is not something that is a luxury. Mm -hmm. It should be one of your basic needs. Self-care doesn't always have to be something expensive. That's right. It could just be taking a few minutes to take a nice shower Mm -hmm. or to just have a few minutes to breathe and meditate 
Of course, there are more expensive things you could do as well, but <laughs> yeah. healthcare should be a part of all of our yeah. routines. And and often, candidates, it's it, we again we don't think about mental health as part of our physical health, but so many times it is just. You know, when you're a caregiver, you really do need to focus on your physical needs. Are you sleeping enough? Yep. Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating, you know, so healthy foods, nutrition? And and again, we, I think, especially women, we oh, often yeah. think that self-care is selfish. And it's not. Mm-hmm. If yes. we don't. That is so true. We were talking earlier about yes. that flight attendant on that plane yeah. who, you know, yeah. is telling you to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you before. put it on your child. Because if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't take care of anyone. So You're suffocating, 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 trying yes. to take care of other people. And we should, if we're a caregiver for a parent or child, we need to be asking for help when we need it and not trying. I think sometimes we try to be super women or That's true. And men too That's who true. are caregivers. But um I'm a big believer in exercise, um, walk just getting out and taking a walk. This weather we're having right now is just energizing. It's to amazing. Me. So mm-hmm. and and we do uh monthly event they're just 30 minutes they're virtual called a shot of espresso okay and we always have someone who comes on just sharing a technique that they're using to you know manage their anxiety or depression or just help with their own mental health um We've had different ones talking about tapping or other different techniques, breathing, Mm -hmm. you know, just those things. I know I go through the day and go, did I breathe today? (laughs) It's like (laughs) taking that deep breath. So I think that um, at at MHA, we are trying to educate employers and educating children, different people, the importance of self-care and because one in five of us, maybe it's one in four or more now have will be diagnosed with a mental health diagnosis that is scary but five and five of us have mental health and we need to be taking care of that i i i agree how often do do you guys find that you're having to convince folks that it's okay to ask for help as well like oh all the time i mean as candace talked before the break about stigma i mean that's one one issue Mm -hmm. is you know trying to eliminate that barrier of fear and mm-hmm. and we we're constantly educating the public about you know we teach a lot of QPR which stands for question persuade refer it's a suicide prevention question. training okay and um, you can go on our website. We're offering these all the time. They're free. We would love everybody to take this class because it talks about, you know, stigma and the language that we use. Often when somebody gets diagnosed with a mental health uh, issue, that's their label. They're bipolar, uh, they're schizophrenia. It should be, I'm a person living with bipolar disorder. Correct. They're not addicts. I'm someone who has a substance abuse disorder. You know, turning that language can do so much I agree to with help you. people. We don't say that person is cancer. You know, yes. they are living with they cancer. They are living with cancer. So, correct. Yeah. Correct. And there are there are 
a number of resources that are available that you all have been so gracious mm -hmm. enough to share with us. Um, and we are posting a few of those links on the mental health resources uh, through WSSE News and also um, on my website at rosarxboutique.com in my blog section. Um, so please check those out and we will continue our discussion when we are back from break. Hello and welcome back to The L Show. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Eastman, and I'm here with my guest, Kathy Rogers, um, Executive Director for MHA of Central Carolinas. And Candace Wilson was with us. She had to jump off. Um, the Director of Family and Peer Support, very helpful. And thank you again to Candace for being on the show. Um, we've talked about a good little bit today. Um, I wish we had time to talk about more because yeah. there's just so much. But Kathy... What advice would you give our listeners who may be having difficulty, um, you know, getting help or navigating the system? I would recommend that they call us. <laughs> so yes. um, we do have a mental health navigator who answers the phone. Uh, she's brand new, so she's still getting her feet, but she's also bilingual. So we're really That's excited great. to have her on board. Um, and we have always prided ourselves on being able to provide a listening ear and compassion and not just, you know, trying to get someone off the phone and providing that warm handoff uh, to individuals who need support. We just opened in January. We're so excited, a free counseling center for really serving those historically marginalized communities. It's for anyone who's uninsured or we're finding even people with insurance often can't afford to pay a copay. Or wow. So if you come to our counseling center and we can't help you, we'll try to connect you to resources. So even coming in and Mariel, our navigator is actually the person who answers the phone, but she's the first person you meet when you come into the counseling center. So that's on at 3701 Latrobe Drive, Suite 140. And um, we are actually using, uh, providing interns from Johnson C. Smith University and UNCC wow. the experience to be our counselors because we want to serve these marginalized uh, populations, but also increase the pipeline of clinicians of color. So we're doing our little part to right. help these uh, amazing students uh, mm -hmm. get the experience they need to, to become a counselor, a therapist, open their own practice at some point. Um, so right. it, it's been a great, a great uh, added resource that we've been able to put in our toolbox. That's that's amazing. Thank you, thank you for that. And and I hope that today's show has been helpful and also shed some light on the very difficult and deep subject of mental health and the crises that caretakers or individuals themselves can be faced with not knowing how to take the first step to get help or not knowing what that first step is, not knowing resources that can help both the caretaker themselves and the individual that they're trying to get help for. I go back to that situation that brought us here today with this young person sitting in a hospital and unable to get the help that their mother wants to give them that their mother needs mm -hmm. to give them. 
if we want, if we can passionately and with unwavering determination, get to our youth and help them get the treatment and tools that they need to become productive and contributing members of our society, we have made a huge step in making our communities better in the future. If we also, with that same passion, meet the caretaker, the one who has reached out and said, I need help, uh, meet them where they are and provide support and education resources. They in turn can help create an environment of care for not only themselves, but for their loved ones who need that additional level of support. Who better to help than someone who cares and loves them? Mm-hmm. And even with more passion, spread the resource tree to as many groups, organizations, and individuals as we can and let them know that there are options and they are not alone. Make it easy to ask for help. Today's show is really about humanity, empathy, compassion, and grace for those who are mentally ill and for the loved ones who care for them. Our mental health system is challenged and fragmented, and we do have to do better. Thank you to organizations such as MHA, of Central Carolinas for doing what you do to help communities in need and helping to navigate what can be a very frustrating time for people in need. And I say thank you to Steve Smith, the former Carolina Panther who created under his family foundation, the Smith Family Behavioral Health Urgent Care in Charlotte as an alternative to going to the ER. It is open 24 hours a day and seven days a week where they triage. They triage you the same way they would triage someone coming in for a physical urgent need. They triage yes. people with mental urgent needs. And um, I looked on their website. It's amazing. It's yes. Just a beautiful thing. So thank you to organizations like MHA and, and folks who yeah. put there their... There is hope. Yes. That there, thank you. There, there absolutely is hope. Yes. And I'll say this as well. Um, people should try to get involved, see what they can do to help. Yeah. This is open. This situation has opened up my mind. I wasn't completely not aware of it, but it's just because it's not in front of you. Sometimes right. it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. We need to be, we need to do a better job of making sure that we keep this, these things front of mind and how can we help? That's right. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, and today, thanks to everyone who has tuned in to this week's segment of The L Show. Of course, I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Eastman, pharmacy pharmacy owner of Rose Pharmacy and Boutique Apothecary, and a huge thank you to my guest host, Kathy. Kathy, where can people find out more information about MHA? Again, what's that website? I would recommend that they go to our website, and they can find everything they need to know about MHA and other mental health resources besides us. It's uh, www.mha.com. OFCC.org. Okay. Tons of resources. And we're going to have that on uh, the website. We already have that on my website and also WSIC News is going to put that that link there as well. Um, And for those of you who missed any part of this show or any of our previous shows, you can always find them on WSICnews.com. Um, or you can watch by following them on Facebook. And we're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, this is our 11th episode, and we would love to hear your thoughts and feedback and any topics, ideas, or questions that you have. You can call the studio 
at 1-844-STUDIO-4 or 1-844-788-3464. And I'll mention this as well. We did not discuss all of the resources that, you know, I have listed, Mm -hmm. but there are so, so, so many, and it would behoove people who are listening to us today to take the time to go and just do some research, look at look at what's available, because there are people listening who are struggling. And I would just lift up the number 988, which 988. is the new, you no longer have to dial 1-800 number to get the suicide crisis line. There's now a national gotcha. 988 network, and you can get quickly connected to someone who can provide you some counsel over the phone and connect you to resources. So 988, and that replaced the 1-800 suicide prevention line. Gotcha. Okay. That's a, that is very good to know. And again, that is one thing that we will also have on our website um, for our listeners and our um, viewers. Um, I once again, as always, invite you all to come and visit, visit Rose Pharmacy at the store. Um, 20035 Jaton Road, Sweet B in Cornelius. And we are directly behind the McAllister's Deli and Circle K. We do have so much to offer and can personally help you with your healthcare journey, no matter where you are on that road. And when we have partnerships like with MHA, we can expand that offering and get you in touch with who you may need to speak to for anything additional that of course you need, we're here, we are, we are a team and we're trying to make sure that you live the best life that you can, you give the best life that you can to your loved ones, no matter where they are as well. So ladies, as always, I ask you to just block off that three to 4 p.m. time slot every Friday, every Friday for the L Show, so that together we can end our week uh, very positively and lifting up, lifting up one another celebrating one another and helping one another to be better. As always, thank you for um, the support that people have shown already for the show and continue to show for the sh- to con- sorry, continue to show for the show and for organizations like MHA agreeing to actually come on the show to share more about what they offer. The show is about resources and allowing people to know where they can go, what they can do. And just really quickly before I end the show, mm-hmm. anything else that you'd like to to just call out to our listeners? Um, I just, I just want to emphasize that if you are struggling or you have a loved one struggling, don't hesitate to reach out for help. Um, and again, 988 or calling MHA uh, just to get connected to resources. We, we have a... a a slogan, B4, stage four. That's kind of what we live mm-hmm. by. We don't want people to wait until, you wouldn't wait until you were at stage four and with a cancer diagnosis to get help. So, and we, the same with mental health. If you're struggling, you know, therapy's okay. Medication's okay. Your spirituality and self-care, all of those things are important to your mental health. So biggest piece of advice is don't hesitate to ask for help. You need it. Wow. I hope everyone was listening to that. No matter, no matter what, listen. And thanks again to all of our listeners and viewers. I can't wait to spend this time with you again next week. Have a fun and safe weekend.
1059 100.7 WSIC Statesville Mooresville North Charlotte